Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Michelle Leslie. And I'm Amy Spreeman. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the topic of discernment and how to handle things when we encounter false teachers and false doctrine. In our uh, Doing Discernment episode, uh, we took a look at how to determine if a teacher is trustworthy and whether or not you should be following him or her. And then in our uh, Words with Friends, How to Contend with Loved Ones episode, we talked about how to approach and gently warn a friend who's following a false teacher. So uh, you want to be sure to give those two episodes a listen if you haven't yet. Uh, But what about when false teachers or false doctrine impacts your church? What is the right and biblical way to address it? And that's our topic today as we discuss how to talk to your church leaders about false teachers. Right, Amy. It really is a pervasive problem. I know I get emails, it's multiple emails a month from women who go to churches that are generally doctrinally sound. And then all of a sudden, the women's ministry announces that their next Bible study is a book by a false teacher, or their church starts using Hillsong Bethel Jesus Culture Elevation music, (laughs) or maybe the church even, you know, introduces a class and something that's a little more far out, like mindfulness or contemplative prayer or something like that. Amy, are you hearing from those same folks wondering what in the world is happening at their churches and how they can address it? Oh, I am. And unfortunately, I've been hearing uh, from folks for years about things like this, Michelle. Uh, And right about now, it's it's about once a week. Um, And and people are asking, you know, sending me Facebook messages and saying, you know, how, you know, what do I do? Do I talk to my pastor? Do I just leave? And so there's a lot of questions about that. And of course, you know, the most um, tempting thing to do is just run out the door and never look back. And and I don't think that's what we want to do, is it? I agree. I I. Over the years, I've come to see more and more that God has us discerning people kind of spread out all over the place because we hear from from people all the time. I know I do. I don't know if you do, but I hear from people all the time who say, I feel like I'm the only discerning person in my church. Sometimes sometimes I feel like saying, well, God has his troops just stationed everywhere across the world. And so that's why we feel lonely sometimes. But yeah, if if you go to a generally doctrinally sound church, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but um, if you do, and then some of these things start to happen, you know, just all of a sudden, um, or they start to be creeping in or whatever, you don't want to jump ship right away because God may have put you in that church to help right the ship. And so uh, you want to do what you can. You may eventually have to leave, but you want to give it a good shot first before you just up and leave. So tonight, What we want to do is we want to help our listeners before they leave. We want to help them with this predicament with some biblical steps that they can take for addressing the false teachers and the false doctrine that are getting a foot in the door of their church. And Amy mentioned some of our earlier episodes, our our episode from last week, uh, Words with Friends, is going to be a little bit similar to our our topic tonight because some of the steps are are very, very much the same that, that you need to go through. And so I think this is really good if you listen to both of those episodes, then you'll really get it set in your mind, these, these sort of steps that you need to take when you address with a friend or with your church leaders, um, what's going on with false teachers and how to warn them uh, kindly and lovingly. So the first step that we want to take, and, and we always, you know, it might sound like a broken record, but the first step we always want to take is to pray. We, we need to get our hearts right. We need to get a good biblical perspective on what's going on. Um, and we need to remember that 
that, you know, God knows and loves the leaders of your church infinitely more than you do. And he is, he is the one who's able to do something about the situation because he's the one that's able to change the hearts and the minds of your, of, of your church leaders and open their eyes to what, to biblical truth. And you're not, I mean, yeah. sometimes we can present all the the evidence in the world to people of whether someone are, is a false teacher or not, and it's not going to open their eyes, but God has to intervene and, and open the eyes of people. Um, and then furthermore, we should pray because he wants us to depend on him and not to just depend on presenting evidence to, to our church leaders. Um, and uh, so we should, and we should already be praying regularly for our church and its leadership. So when a, when a situation like this comes up, be sure that you're in spending time in focused prayer about that. Oh, amen, Michelle. You know, um, again, what you said is so important. You're not the one that's going to change their mind. Um, that's going to be the Holy Spirit doing that. Um, you may present evidence, and um, you know, but I think our fantasy is, oh, they're going to hear me, and they're going to they're going to go, oh, you're right. <laughs> And, and no, right. what probably will happen um, on a good day is if they take it back to the elders and they discuss it and they pray about it. We want them to do that. Um, you know, so uh, again, have patience. There, there's no need to have them um, do something right this second. You know, it, they, they need to pray, pray for, prayerfully. Um, can't talk tonight. <laughs> prayerfully consider <laughs> what in the world uh, they're going to do with what you've laid at their feet. Exactly. And, and we want them to be convinced by scripture. Um, We've mentioned this before. We don't want people to just take our word for it or just believe what we say about uh, false teachers and false doctrine. We want to give them time to look over the scriptures as well. So first step, pray. Second step, remember why you're approaching your leadership. Have the right attitude. If, if you go at this from a, they're wrong, I'm right sort of attitude, or with some desire to like win a conflict, you really need to repent because that's not the purpose for, for being discerning and for going to your leadership. It's not about you. It's about the supremacy of God's word and the purity of the bride and um, helping your fellow church members not to be deceived. And so this is about loving your church so much that you're willing to risk rejection and humiliation, which may very well happen, but you're willing to risk that so that they won't be deceived. So that's step number two. Puts it in perspective for sure, Michelle. Yeah. So pray, make sure you've got the right mindset of why you're approaching your leadership. And then a passage that I have really, really found helpful in when I do discern discernment work is 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. And if you can memorize this verse, hide it in your heart so it's there when you need it, it'll be really helpful to you when you're approaching your uh, your church leadership or you know anyone else that you need to talk to really about anything. And 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26 says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So remember what that verse says, you're not the, you're the Lord's servant. You're not some big hotshot 
discernment person. You know, you're there to serve the Lord. Um, You don't want to be quarrelsome. You want to be kind. You want to be able to teach. You want to be patient enough to endure evil. Uh, You want to be sure you're correcting with gentleness. And so that all the things in that passage are really a good checklist for our, for our hearts and for our abilities to make sure that we're going at the right time with the right attitude uh, in the right strength. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and pray for when, when you are praying, pray for humility about these things. Pray, pray for gentleness, pray for kindness, um, you know, and so that those are just some things that will really help your mind. Um, it, it, it really takes the pressure off so that you can focus on the Lord's will and not yours. That's absolutely right. And we also we need to be make sure that we remember who the bad guy is here. The bad guy is not the people that we're approaching. The absolutely. bad guy is Satan, yeah. right? The, the bad guy is really Satan. And he he's holding that person either prisoner to deception or possibly the person just doesn't really know what's going on. Um, so we're not approaching an enemy to conquer. We're, we're basically, I like to use this analogy that we're rescuing a captive, like that passage says, with spiritual Stockholm syndrome. And maybe some people aren't aren't really familiar with that term, but Stockholm syndrome is kind of the idea where uh, someone is kidnapped and then sort of brainwashed by her captors. And then um, she sort of joins forces with her captors to rob banks or commit crimes or, or whatever. And so that's the kind of thing we're looking at on a spiritual level with the people that we approach. So um, then the next step would be approaching your church leaders about um, about what's going on. So the first question would be, or the first thing to think about would be who should approach this leader? Just because you see that something's going on doesn't necessarily mean you're the right person to approach the, the, the leadership. Um, there might be other church members who can handle the situation better than you can. It might be a situation where it would be better for uh, your husband or another man or an elder to approach someone. Um, but sometimes you're the only person for the job, and um, especially if it's with the with the women's ministry at your church, ladies. So, um, but we need to be, especially as women, we need to be mindful of our our role in the church and at home, and be sure that we are not only a Address, addressing the situation in the most biblical way possible. But part of that we need to realize is that we need to be in submission to our husbands in this issue as well. Um, so if the person you're approaching is the female leader of your women's ministry or your Bible study class or the conference coordinator for the women's ministry or whatever, it might be best if you go to her alone or possibly with a, another discerning sister. Uh, and it's usually, if, if this is a women's ministry issue, it's usually best to approach the person who's directly responsible first instead of going over her head first to yeah. the pastor or the elders or whatever. Because, you know, we, we talk about Matthew 18 a lot of times about going to your brother and, and pointing out his sin. And, and the first part of that passage, when it talks about you, you going alone to your brother, it says that hopefully you will win your brother. And that's what yes. you want. You want to win that sister in Christ away from false teaching. You don't want her to just not use that particular Bible study because she's been forced to by the elder board or the pastor or whatever. You want to you want her eyes to be open and you want her to make a godly decision of her own volition. 
So it's best to usually go to that, that person first. Um, now, if the person who needs to be approached is male, and we're probably mostly talking to women, if that person is, is a, an elder or your pastor or something like that, it might be best for your husband, like we said, or another discerning brother to meet with the pastor or the elder or, or whoever that male person who needs to be approached is, or possibly for you and your husband to meet with them together, uh, maybe even with your husband taking the lead and you're in a supporting role. And again, you know, even with men, it's, it's usually best to approach that person who's directly in charge of whatever the issue is uh, before going over his head. Did you have any thoughts on that, Amy? Well, just a, a personal um, thought on this. Uh, years ago, uh, we were in a similar situation. Actually, we've been in that situation a couple of times. And uh, my husband and I went together and uh, I just let him speak and um, you know carry, carry me. And it was awesome. It was wonderful. Um, but I want to point out too, sometimes Sometimes um, there are husbands who maybe aren't in agreement with the wife, and then you have to you know, really treat that with sensitivity. Uh, and Michelle, and I don't know if any uh, women have approached you about that, where maybe she and her husband aren't in agreement over something like this. Uh, not too, too often. Usually a woman in a situation like this who has written to me, uh, her husband is either in agreement with her or he's not putting up any resistance, maybe okay. because he's not saved or because of something like that. But yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And it's something that, that we need to keep in mind for sure. Yeah. So, so, um, so consider whether you're the right person to approach this, this church leader. And then how should you approach this church leader? In humility, love, all those other characteristics from the Second Timothy 2 passage that we just read. And then um, keep a few other things in mind as well. Um, first, give the person the benefit of the doubt that she's got good motives. I mean, most most people don't set out to go buy a book by a heretic and bring it into their church. They probably think this person is a nice, you know, good Christian, uh, the author of the book or the conference that you're going to or whatever. They probably think this would be really helpful to the women of your church or whatever group that they're they're uh, in charge of. And so give that person the benefit of the doubt that she's not some snarling, drooling, evil person. She's, she's got good motives, you know, exactly. and she's, her heart's in the right place. It may not be in the biblically right place, but you know, the, her motives are okay. Yeah. Um, people don't usually consciously try to introduce uh, anti-biblical material at, you know, at the normal local church level. Um, and then second, and I think I touched on this before, keep, keep ignorance at the forefront of your mind, not your own ignorance, but the people at your church. You know, most people at churches today, and Amy, I'm sure you've had the same experience, even pastors are completely in the dark, unaware of a lot of the false doctrine that's out there, how far it has spread, uh, even what false doctrine is, um, or even that the majority of, of popular Christian celebrities are false teachers. They just don't know. And right. I've heard, I've heard so many people, have you ever heard anybody say this? 
they think that if they can buy it at Lifeway, it must be biblical Christianity. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that, Michelle. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't until I actually worked in a church uh, with the pastoral team that I could see their schedules. These people are tremendously busy. They uh, don't have time to be sitting there searching every little thing on the internet, you know, and right. so they are busy shepherding. They're busy meeting with people all day long. They're uh, putting together their sermons. They're working with their small groups. They're, they're people that they need to be. They're doing exactly what they need to be doing. And so you may come up, come into an office and, and completely blow them out of the water with the things that you might have researched yourself. And it's just uh, one of those things you really have to make sure that uh, you realize who you're talking to because these folks are doing the Lord's work um, and they aren't busy at it. <laughs> so there's, there aren't enough hours in the day. There really aren't. And it's, I, I just feel so much for pastors that they, you know, some of them are working 50, 60, 80 hours a week. And they, like you said, they just, a lot of them don't have time to research every little, you know, piece of doctrine that comes across or, or not yeah. piece of doctrine, but, you know, curriculum and things like that, that come across their desk. And so we want to, you know, try and help pastors out with things like that. Uh, first of all, you know, to our pastor friends, we love you. And we want to let you know that Amy and I both have great resources on our blogs to save you some legwork and to explain uh, some of the problems that are out there with false doctrine and false teachers and provide you the, the quick links that you need to check those things out. And then I would also suggest delegate. If you've got yeah. a discerning, um, a discerning person in your church, I always encourage women to do this, discerning women who, who write to me or whatever volunteer, go to your pastor and say, look, I'll do the legwork for you and I'll present you my findings. And then you'll just have it all right there in front of you and you can quickly make a decision. So we want to help pastors out. We don't want to certainly don't take this as, as us berating you for, <laughs> for not having time. We totally understand that. Oh, absolutely. So, so uh, we love you pastors. <laughs> Please <laughs> know that. Um, but there are there are some pastors who really just it's not an issue of they don't have time. They just don't know. They they're yeah. just not, it's not on their radar to to research things like that. They assume that, you know, their local Christian retailer is a trustworthy source. And unfortunately, we can't really trust our local Christian retailers all the time to make sure that everything on their shelves is sound doctrine. Yeah, that's true. So, so we need to keep that in mind and give people the benefit of the doubt um, and just uh, approach people that the way that we would want to be approached. You know, we know the Bible says the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them to do, have them do unto you. Um, and then um, something I believe that you mentioned on our episode with uh, called Words with Friends last time was to keep in mind that it's hard sometimes for people to hear that the Christian celebrity that they just love and have spent years following and they've got, they have all her books and they've gone to all her conferences and um, you know, all of this, it's really hard to hear that that person is a false teacher. And, and some people will have invested so much time and energy and money and emotion into this 
teacher and her materials that unfortunately they won't listen to you because they don't want to admit that they were wrong or that all this time or money was wasted or whatever, which is really sad. But we need to keep in mind that uh, it's, it's, it hurts to hear that someone that you, you have this love and attachment to is a false teacher. So we want to be sure that we, we approach people gently and we, we give them some time to sort out all this new and sometimes overwhelming information. Yeah. And then finally, um, just on that point about how, how we should approach our leaders, be prepared for backlash. Go in there braced. <laughs> um, no matter how kind and gentle and objective you are, that person very well may feel attacked and lash out at you. Don't lash back. Understand that that's a normal reaction. It may it may be a, it may happen to be a sinful reaction depending on what happens, but it is normal. Don't lash back. Turn the other cheek. Go that extra mile and be understanding and patient. Yeah, I, I would say that one of the most common things that you might hear, um, you know, if you're talking to a, a leader in your church, is that well, uh, you sound kind of critical. Um, maybe you have a religious spirit, something like that. And uh, again, it, it feels like an, a personal attack, um, but don't let it be one. Uh, just let that sit and percolate. You know, maybe eventually they'll come around and say, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But um, you know, it, it it is an accusation that that we don't have to answer right now. Um, Doctrine is really important. We're we're not here to have religious spirits. So again, um, we need to watch our tone. We need to do this humbly. And I would say too, Michelle, when we're in the midst of those conversations, I've always found that asking questions kind of diffuses those feelings, those situations, and um, making statements, and heaven forbid we would ever make an accusation. um, Of course, that's just going to set the room on fire. So we don't want to do that. Absolutely right. Not. Right. Exactly. So we've talked about who should approach the, the church leader, how the church leader should be approached. Now, with what should you approach this church leader? What should you bring with you? And the most important things that you bring with you are your Bible yeah. and credible evidence. Um, because you don't want to just bring personal opinions because this is not, as we've said a million times, it's not about your opinion, my opinion, Amy's opinion, anybody's opinion, or what we prefer or what we personally like or what our feelings are. It's about what God's word says. So you need to bring clear scripture and credible evidence. And for every charge you bring against this false teacher, you need to bring credible audio, video, or print evidence of this teacher's own words and actions and the Bible passages that she is violating. Um, You know, like I said, don't bring your opinions, don't bring histrionics, you know, lots of emotion. Don't bring unsubstantiated rumors. Don't bring things from um, unreliable sources. There are some uh, discernment ministries out there. I use that term loosely (laughs) that um, there I was contacted by someone last week who was using this absolute wingnut uh, 
uh, Facebook page that was accusing, uh, I think the main purpose of this Facebook page was to accuse Charles Spurgeon of being a heretic. Oh, and brother. they're just all <laughs> kind, yeah, all kinds of wacky, I mean, far out from left field accusations against him. And I, I had to tell the lady, I said, look, just listen to, listen to Charles or read Charles Spurgeon's sermons for yourself, compare them to scripture, put this website aside, you know, and you just see for yourself if it matches up with scripture or not. So, and there are some other discernment ministries out there that are not always, um, sometimes they exaggerate or maybe they're, uh, they're kind of clickbaity and things like that. So you want to be sure that you bring, (laughs) go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, we, we want to not uh, not bring those in because, again, that the focus will be on on those hypercritical, uh, you know, th- those those flash and splash uh, websites rather than on what you're trying to do, which is um, bring these these teachings to light. And the way we do that, of course, is to compare the teaching to scripture. So uh, what Michelle just said was um, bring evidence, and that's awesome. If your uh, leader uh, or pastor of the church says, "Well, where did you hear this information about?" This? This, you know, fill in the blank false teacher. If you simply say on the internet, um, they're going to say, well, there you go. <laughs> you know, why should I believe the internet? Um, and, and there's very good reason not to. Um, what I would say is, you know, I, I've been researching and, uh, you know, of course I've, I've heard some things from friends, maybe that, that uh, this teacher is false. Um, but I decided to do my own legwork and compare what this teacher has taught or said to scripture. And here's what I've found. And so these articles can be great, but make sure that you're, the focus is not on on the article or the website that you're using, but the focus is on the statement that the person makes and what scripture says that will be very different. And those two things weighed side by side uh, will be the thing that sways eventually. That's exactly right. Yeah, really bring, um, you know, if, if you're going to bring evidence, bring a video of the teacher speaking in her own words, bring yeah. an article that she wrote, um, bring, you know, a book that she wrote so that you get, get it straight from the horse's mouth and not filtered through someone else's opinions or whatever. And, and show, you know, side by side, show what she wrote or what she said and how it compares with scripture. That's absolutely right. Um, And again, as we're bringing evidence, we want to make sure that we don't, you know, turn the fire hose on our church leaders with just reams of material to read or long videos to watch. That's another thing. If you're bringing videos for, for your church leaders to watch, try and edit it down to just a few minutes worth, you know, of the most important points or whatever. Don't bring a two hour long video that your pastor has to slog through. People have presented those to me before and I've, I've tried to work through them and everything, but I don't always have two hours to sit and watch a video when the point could be made in five minutes. So, no, exactly. Uh, Tell them where on the video, the timestamp, just say, right. you know what, about two minutes and 40 seconds in, this is when she says this, you know, and you can exactly. easily guide them to the right statement. Right, right. Try to keep things concise because especially with, you know, social media and the internet these days, everybody has a shortened attention span. So try to keep things short because if you give just reams and reams of material for your church leaders to to sort through, they're just going to give up before they even start. So keep it short. Um, Don't attempt to address every single wrong word, action, teaching, et cetera, ever perpetrated by this false teacher. Go with the most attention-grabbing, flagrant violations of scripture, and and just present those few few things. So here's another thing. Make sure your evidence is up to date. Um, 
focus on the false teacher's most recent violations of scripture, not something from 20 years ago that maybe she's even repented of and you didn't even know, uh, in which case you shouldn't be bringing a charge about that. Right. Um, but recent evidence is a lot more compelling as well, because if someone sees a video from 20 years ago, they're easily going to think, well, maybe she's changed her mind about that in 20 years. We all change our minds in 20 years about all kinds of things. So, right. so the, things to think about with about the evidence and the um, and the scriptures that you bring to your leaders. Yeah. And I would say also, um, please do not make any personal attacks on this teacher. Right. Don't bring up things that have nothing to do with scripture, you know, what they look like and that kind of thing. Um, you, you may bring up some things that maybe they've um, not repented of in their lives. If it is um, something like a um, you know marital things that are going on, and maybe maybe that person has cheated and um, hasn't committed adultery or something like that, and should be disqualified from teaching. But don't but leave the personal attacks out of it. Um, I, I doubt if any of our listeners would ever do that anyway. But it's just um, I just something hope not. <laughs> just something to keep in mind because you discredit yourself when you do that. That's right. And we have the highest caliber of listeners out there. I'm sure they would never do that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, so my final point is how should you leave things when you're, you're leaving your, your evidence with your church leader? Um, Reassure the person that you love, you love her or him, your pastor or this women's ministry leader, whoever it is you're talking to reassure that person of your love for him or her and for your church and, and really reiterate that the reason you are coming and, and presenting this evidence is because you love your church and you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you don't want to see them led astray because Christians are supposed to believe what the Bible says. And Christians are supposed to be led by sound trustworthy teachers. And if we're not going to be diligent about that, what are we in this for in the first place? You know, Um, so make sure that they know that you love them and you love your church. Ask if she, he or she have any questions and make sure, I'm just going to say she, Um, ask if she has any questions, make sure she has your contact information Mm -hmm. and she knows she's welcome to get in touch with you if she has any questions or if she needs any more information or anything like that. And then if, if she's open to it, make some suggestions of doctrinally sound materials or conferences or, or something like that, that could be used instead, a doctrinally sound alternative, because I I believe we we've talked about this before that when you, when you remove something, you can't just leave a vacuum there. You've got to replace it with something godly. So, um, so make some suggestions of of doctrinally sound stuff that could take the place of this false teacher. Um, and then don't expect an immediate resolution to the situation. You know, you've, you've been praying right. about this for a while and you've known about it for a while and you've studied it. And this is all brand new information to this person that you're approaching. So give her some time to think and to pray things through, to go over the evidence that you've provided. And it may be even appropriate to ask if you can touch base with her again in a few days or a couple of weeks or, or whatever. And so these are some of the things that's, that's the last thing on my list. These are some of the things that you can do to approach, you know, your women's ministry leader, your pastor, your elders, uh, your minister of music. If it's an issue of, you know, uh, music being used, that's doctrinally unsound, anything like that, 
these are some things that you can do uh, to hopefully give you a successful interaction and a godly biblical interaction with that person. But just keep in mind, doing all of these things is not a magic formula that will guarantee you the results that you want. Um, Unfortunately, most of the people that I've heard from, and I'm sure the same for you, Amy, that, you know, maybe 80, 90% of the time, um, the church leaders just blow off the person that's, that's coming to them with these concerns. Uh, you may be ignored. You may be like, like, uh, Amy said a minute ago called a hater or crit- that you're overly critical or that it's no big deal or that you're even divisive. You're a threat to the unity of the church and things of this nature. But you know what? do it anyway. Don't, don't yeah. be fearful of those things. Cause like I said, God may have put you in this church for such a time as this. And you're, you may think that if you don't get the results that you want, that your warning was in vain and that you're, you're lo- showing your love for your church this way was in vain, but it's not because God's word never returns to him void. And if you present God's word to your church leaders, God will work through that in whatever way that he has does. He has on his mind to work through that to bring about his desired results. And sometimes as we see in scripture, sometimes God uses his words to break people's hearts and to lead them to repentance and to lead them into a closer, more biblical relationship with him. And sometimes God's word hardens people's hearts and he can work either direction. You know, we want, we of course always want people to repent and do what's right, but sometimes God's design is something else and we have to be prepared to accept that. So do what is right and leave the results up to God. Yeah, Hard, to <laughs> Hard to do. Hard to do. But you know, um, I would also encourage you, ladies, um, you're not alone. Um, many, many people That's have right. walked this path before you. Maybe some people in your own church have, and you just haven't heard about it. Um, I, I know in a particular situation that I was involved in, um, the pastors would, would expect these visits to their office and would say, you know, oh, nobody's ever brought this up to me before. Um, but sure enough, you, you find out that other people have. And so... It's okay. Yeah, it it, it is that's happening. lying. Well, yes, but uh, but that happens. And again, don't just leave. Do it anyway, because like Michelle said, you're you're there for a reason. Your eyes were opened by God for a reason, and um, these people, these dear folks, have now become your mission field, even if it's just for a short time. Uh, and the people that if you do end up leaving, those folks are still in your life. They, they're still people that um, will want to know uh, well, what's going on. And so again, you need to use your wisdom uh, to understand what to say and when. But at this time, I would say after you've uh, met and uh, you've you've left the situation in God's hands, like Michelle has encouraged you to do, uh, I would end with prayer and continue to pray for your church, no matter what happens. Just uh, pray for your church. Pray that uh, the Lord would um, uh, have them have their eyes opened and, and and that they would have that wisdom again. But um, that's not in your control. That's in God's control. That's so true. And I just, something that occurred to me as you were, as you were talking, um, going back to what we were saying about, you know, you may not get the desired outcome that, that you want for people to repent. Look, this is a perfect place to go back and read through the Old Testament, read through those prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of those guys, you know, 
they didn't get the results they wanted either. <laughs> no. They warned they warned God's people over and over and over and over again. And oh, poor Jeremiah, he got thrown into a cistern and you know, the stocks and everything. You know, they did not respond well to being warned that there were false prophets among them and, and that God was going to to judge them for their their sins of idolatry and all of these things. But look to them, you're in good company. If you're in the company of people like <laughs> Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and all those prophets in the Old Testament, you are in good company because people didn't listen to them either. So you know what they didn't do? They didn't go off and they didn't gossip and they didn't uh, talk badly about it. So, and we need to do that as well. We need to make sure that we're not, um, you know, leaving that situation and gossiping and name calling or anything like that. We need to, you know, carry ourselves with the utmost of integrity. That's the example. Yep. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of A Word Fitly Spoken. So don't forget to stop by our website, awordfitlyspoken.life, for lots of great resources on tonight's episode. That's right. And while you're there, drop us a quick note on our contact page or send us a private message on social media. Let us know what which topics you'd like for us to address in the future, because we love hearing from you and we are so thankful that you listen. And until next time, walk worthy.